Well, I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 5. You can start heading that way. We've been in this series, and I'm going to take it back up uh, today. In the message, the series called Raising the Bar. And it's really about building resilience in your life. That when you're hit, when the enemy comes against you, life happens to you, circumstances, how can I ever recover? Sometimes it's other people's fault. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's ours. But God gives us the ability to be resilient. We're talking about these things about building resilience of life. Now, resilience of life is not about avoiding problems, everybody, or just being in a problem or crisis and thinking, well, you know, being deluded and act like it's not existing. It really does happen. It's painful. It's hurtful. You feel it. But resilience is not about, uh, not about facing life's challenges, but it's about developing intentionally placing your life skills and disciplines from God's Word through the Word of God and through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you start doing those things, when you're hit, when you're dented, when you're bent like iron, resilience is the ability to go back to its original form of what God intended for you to do and be. We are resilient people. And I just believe that's a word that God's given me for this year. Resilience. You are going to be a resilient person to fulfill God's original intention for why you were created and planted on this earth, even through all the hell you've been through. How many believe hell is not in charge, though? Amen? It is not in charge. So we've been doing a weekly workout, and I hope you all have seen How many of you have seen it on social media, the weekly workout? Make sure you download, follow us on uh, all the social media platforms. But we've been having these things we've been doing each week. And how many know what Monday is? Tomorrow we're going to start out Monday and we're going to intentionally practice appreciation where we cultivate gratitude, cultivate gratitude for people around us, for the things God has given us. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Brenda just decided to, one of the leaders in our city, a community, just decided, I'm just going to DM them on social media and just let them know how grateful we are for them. And never met him, but just, and we, she gets a letter back, personal letter back from him, not, not electronic, a personal letter back saying how much they appreciated this church and what it does in the community. Isn't that, isn't that something? I didn't even know we were on the radar. But I'm telling you, when you start appreciating people, it's amazing what will come out of people. So we're going to show appreciation. We're going to cultivate gratitude. And on Tuesdays, compassion. We're going to intentionally practice kindness and bless someone, whether they're saved or they don't know Jesus. Sometimes it's easy to bless the blessed and feed the fed. But bless someone that no strings attached. You don't expect a thank you note. Appreciate it. You do it just simply because God told you you do it. Practice compassion. And then Wednesday, you work on your own identification. What is that? Your God image. Who God is inside of you. This is probably the biggest hang-up because too many of you are living in shame and condemnation over your past or that you're not performing well enough for God right now. You don't know your identity in Jesus. So you always pick up somebody else's identity. You become something you were never intended to be. I'm telling people's identity now is all messed up in this culture. I'm going to tell you the reason why. They don't know their God image. 
And when you start understanding your God image and who he made you, what he created you for, how much he loved you when he died for you, you'll start realizing you're not loved because you're valuable. You're valuable because you're loved by God. My value is not determined by how I lead this church. My value is determined because I am loved by God, period, and he saved me. How many of you thank God for that? Amen? Just let that sink in your spirit. You're not loved because you're valuable, Dad, and bring a paycheck home. You're valuable because you're loved by God. Boy, people could just get that in their spirit. Screen save that. Do something. Tell yourself every morning. Amen? Then on, on, on Thursday, we're going to start working on anticipation, hope-filled thinking. That's where we're going to land today. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. And then on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it's going to be about building relationships. It's connection. Because God intended for you to build strength by putting life-giving relationships in your life. The problem is, is we are isolated people like never before in this culture. It is dangerous, folks dangerous. You need connection with God's people. So today we're going to talk about hope-filled thinking, how we're going to build anticipation when you're going through the tough stuff of life. Those five things are key things that are in people's lives that have made them resilient. We've identified them. Anticipation, having hope-filled thinking, is what helps a person that discipline to be resilient when all hell breaks loose on you. When people reject you, when all of a sudden you don't quite meet the standard, when all of a sudden tragedy hits your life, you have to have hope-filled thinking, anticipation of what God is going to do. So I want you to land with me where the Apostle Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to write Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. And you're going to say, well, how does this have to do with anticipation? I want to show you something here. Look at what he says. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We could just close the book, shout, and go home on that one right there. Because of our faith, knowing that he did it, receiving it, just receiving it, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now, where we now stand. When they say, well, you're just a privileged person, you got that right, I am. I am. Undeserved privilege. I now stand in. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing, look at this, God's glory. So when you see all this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Sometimes you just need to break it down and read in slow. He says, so you can rejoice. You know, you, you can rejoice. You can go ahead and do it when you run into trouble and you run into suffering and you run into trials and opposition and rejection. When you run into it, how, how many of you here have run into a little opposition, trials, a little fight with the devil? How many of you run into one? Amen. How many have had it run into you? You were just minding your old business, staying in your lane in life, running the speed limit, and someone T-bones you. Whether you caused it 
or whether it comes to you, he says, if you'll get this, you can have hope-filled thinking so strong that you'll have endurance when this hell is in your life. Endurance. So I looked up that word endurance. It actually means, you know what it actually really meant? When you look down in the Greek, it literally means perseverance with patient expectation. I love that definition. Let that settle into you just for a moment. Perseverance with patient expectation. That means even when I'm going through it, I'm going to keep on plotting. I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on intentionally reaching toward Jesus with patient expectation that he has something bigger than I ever imagined. That, my friends, is a resilient life. Can anybody say amen to that? So Thursday, you're going to work on your anticipation, your hope-filled thinking. And when you discover, we discover freedom in life's challenges, it comes when we embrace hope for tomorrow through God's Word. Now watch this. And not just God's words, but God's presence. When you get those things in your life, you can have endurance you can have perseverance with patient expectation when it feels like nothing is going your way. So, I want to give you a couple of things. As we break this down, I want you to look at chapter, just verse 5, and we're going to look at some more. We're going to kind of hang out in Romans just a little bit today with Paul. What he's saying to the resilient people, people resilient realize that they are actually protected in suffering. When they take the hit, they've suffered the tragedy, they've been rejected, the person walks out on them that they're actually resilient because they know they are protected when the attack, when the pain is being felt. I'm actually protected. Here's my word to you. God has got you covered. Trust him. Trust him. When the greatest problems of life and the tragedies, I'm telling you, he's got you covered. Trust him. And if you'll get that, You'll know, God, I can endure with perseverance, with patient expectation, because there's a setup. Something else is headed my way from you. Now, I want you to look at Romans chapter 5. Now, let's, let me show you what I mean. Let's go, to that, let's go to that text for a moment. Put these in your notes, because it's really important. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Let's go back there. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So here's what he's telling you. First of all, some of us don't think God will cover us because we think, is the reason I'm suffering this right now because of a stupid mistake I made in my life? Is God punishing me? Is this the reason why this tragedy, is this the reason why this rejection is because I don't perform well enough? Is it, could it be this? Is it now? Now the Holy Spirit might show you things to improve your life, but I'm going to tell you what Satan uses on so many of you and he uses it on your pastors. So if you know me, I know he's using it on you because I'm a pretty hope-filled thinking guy. And I'm going to tell you what he uses. He uses your past. And here's what the Apostle Paul is telling you. He says, don't you get it? Don't you understand this? Why are you allowing the devil to use you like a doormat to wipe his dirty feet on you every single day with your past? Don't you know you have been made right with God in his sight because of your faith to believe him? So you can go to bed tonight with peace because of what not you did and your performance, but there was someone that did what you couldn't do on the cross. So if you could just get this, 
you would know you're protected in what you're going through. And here's the deal. My past is covered by Jesus and his blood. It is not my performance. It is my faith. God no longer holds me hostage by my past sins. Now that'd make, that'd make a Southern Baptist shout. I am telling, do you not get it? Problem is, is we know we do it to ourselves because we up doing that to other people. You know why I know we do it to ourselves? Because we project that on other people. They don't deserve that. You better believe they don't deserve it. Who do they think they are? Privileged? Exactly. By faith. He says, my past is covered. Don't you understand? You are protected in the hell you're going through right now, not because of you, not because of your past, not because of what you did in your past or what you didn't do in your past. It's because he's got it covered. Quit messing with yourself. Oh, I got a word from God for some of you. Would you please stop it and not let the devil make you a doormat anymore? Go to verse two. Look at this. He's, your past, say, my past is covered. Now look at verse 2. Because of our faith, just believe in him, trust in him, just like some of you got saved at the beginning of the service. He says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. You know why you don't think you deserve it? Because you do it to other people. They don't deserve that. Didn't they just get saved? You're going to be shocked who you're going to find in heaven where you think it wasn't deserved. You're going to be shocked because they received by faith Jesus Christ. It will shock you. Look at that. Undeserved privilege. So you're still going, but I didn't perform well enough and I didn't. If I just do this better, then God will hear me. No, 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 no. He says, because your past is covered, he says, you stand right now. Right now. Well, you know, when I start learning, when, when, I, when I finally go through the grow class here at the church, when I finally get this part right, when I finally get free from these cigarettes, when I can finally get this addiction off me, then God will receive me. No, right now. Right now. He said, you stand right now in God's presence. If you just understand that, you'd probably start acting different too if you knew right now you stand in his presence. He's put you in an undeserved place. That's the reason why the writer of Hebrews chapter 4 says, here's the deal, Sam. You can now boldly approach the throne of God with confidence. So what does that mean? That he's saying that if my past is covered and all my sins were wiped out, and now I presently stand with undeserved privilege in his presence to boldly request to stand in his presence in the middle of the hell I'm going through. That means my past isn't just covered, but my present is covered right now. I'm standing now in the middle of chaos, but I'm boldly in his presence. My pre Everybody say, my present is covered. Now go to the rest of that scripture. And it says, and we look confidently and joyfully, watch this, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I get to partake in his glory. Do you not get it? Do you not get it? He's saying it's not just my past is covered. 
not just right now, I have undeserved privilege to come and talk to him right now in the middle of this crisis, and he's going to hear my plea. But he says, right now, he says, my future is covered. I'm going to be in eternity with him forever. I don't deserve it, but he did it for me. He took away my sins. I can presently walk with him in the middle of my danger, in the middle of my trauma. I can walk with him, and he says, I'm going to share in his glory and the things to come. Don't you get it? My future is covered. I will be with him for eternity. I don't deserve it. But I am covered. So you want to know how people who have been traumatized in the body of Christ, who have been rejected, going through pain, and you see them worshiping and praising God, don't you get it why they're rejoicing? They don't need a shrink. It's not that, listen, I'm not, I, get a counseling session. It'll help you through it. But you wonder why people are rejoicing and they just gone through a split up in their family? You know they just lost their job? They just got a prognosis from the enemy? They just lost something they love precious? You want to know why they rejoice? It says, verse 3 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems in trial. In fact, you know what that word rejoice means? It doesn't just mean to clap your hands and sing and lift your hands. It literally means, you know what it literally means? It means to boast with confident joy. That in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of trial, they can have confident joy. They boast because they have his assurance. Their assurance of what? Their assurance that my past is all erased. God is not holding this against me. He's not, he's not putting judgment on me. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. I presently keep approaching him, and I will not get out of his presence. And I know that my future is covered. Folks, you've got full coverage, not insurance, but assurance. I drive a little more confident knowing that I have more than liability. <laughs> Just going to take care of their stuff. You know, you drive a little bit more confidently. You know, when I rent a car, when I rent a car, I get the extra coverage to cover anything because, you know, they just slam you with all kinds of, I get the whole thing. You know why? Because when I drive it, I'm not worried if anybody runs into me or if I run into anybody else. I know this thing is taken care of. Everything's going to be paid for because it's got full coverage assurance. Can I tell you in life, the road of life, some of you are wondering, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens and I don't do this? You have full coverage assurance so you can start rejoicing right now in the middle of the suffering because you know my past is covered, my present is covered, and my future is already taken care of. And when you get this, here's what it gives you. You see, sometimes you just need to slow down and read the passage, what it means. He says in the rest of verse 3, he says, for we know that they help us develop endurance. What's endurance? Endurance is perseverance with patient expectation. That while I'm in it, I'm not trying to be phony. I'm not trying to act like the problem doesn't exist. I can keep on persevering with patient expectation. That, my friends, is a resilient person who knows they are completely covered and protected in the middle of the garbage that hell throws at you. Can somebody rejoice in the middle of it right now in this room? Come on, just rejoice in the middle of it right now. You can. You can. Secondly, resilient people, here's what happens. You got to do something. Here are your practices. You ready? I want you to start proclaiming the scriptures. 
Hope-filled thinking comes by, first of all, tying yourself closer to the Word of God. So can I ask you to do this? I want you to find a promise for your problem that you're in right now. Whatever it is, and everybody's problem is different. Find something from God's Word that is directly related, a promise connected to your problem. And you say, well, I don't know where to look. I'm new in the Lord. Well, I help, I'm going to help you out because that's how I roll. I want you to hit that QR code, and I want you to look at this, and you'll find several scriptures that I've put in there. If you're going through an addiction, if you're, if you're going through anger, if you're going through financial problems, if you're going through loss, if you're going through depression, and I want you at least to grab one scripture. I made it so easy. Just download it, start putting it on there, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to get that one scripture. Maybe your kids that aren't serving God. I want you to grab that one scripture, and I want you to commit yourself to memorizing that passage. And I want you to keep saying it. I want you to quote it. I want you to quote it until you've got to memorize. Then I'll, you'll watch you. You'll start praying it. You'll start putting it everywhere. Put it on your put it on a sticky note. Put it, save it on your home screen on your phone until that thing is so burned in your mind, your memory, that you're praying it, saying it, speaking it, quoting it. All you live is that promise to what God's your problem is in your life. I want you to do that. Now, you say, why would you want me to do that, Pastor? Because when I say proclaim God's word, proclaim scripture, there is power in a proclamation. Words are powerful, friends, especially for people who are going through it that have resilience. They know their words are powerful. How many know words are powerful? I know words mean something to God. Look, do you know creation was created by what? Words. God's word. He spoke and said, let there be light. And, 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 and there was creation. At creation, words were used. Did you also know that when you became a new creation in Jesus Christ, words were connected to you becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ? Isn't that interesting that of all the things God created, you're the only thing that God created that has the ability to think thoughts, articulate words, and speak them. Dogs can't do it. Plants can't do it. You are the thing that God created with a mind to think, to form sentence, create words, and to speak because he knew that words and speaking is powerful. Can somebody say amen to that? When you became a new creation, that was, people said, the greatest miracle that ever happened today was when those of you gave your life to Jesus Christ. A supernatural miracle happened, and it was directly connected to your words and your heart. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Your words bridge the chasm that crosses the chasm of sin and connected you to God in forgiveness salvation and put you in a relationship with God. It was directly connected to your words. This is why proclamation of resilient people of declaring something from the word of God. Go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 8 and 10 and then we're going to go to verse 13. But I want you to show you something. Just, just watch this. This is connected. Remember, for you to have the miracle to become a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Words are what were used, is what was used 
to bridge the chasm of your sin and connect you to the righteousness, salvation, and eternal life of God and put a relationship with him. Words. Not just, not, not just thinking. Words. You declared words. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 8. It said, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your what? Jesus is Lord and believe in your what? That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Not performance. You will be saved. For it is with your what? That you believe and are justified. Justified means really basically means just as if I'd never sinned. You're brand new, clean. Those of you that gave your heart to the Lord, you're brand new, clean before God. Just as if you'd never sinned. Mm. That, it blows my mind. Because I sure can remember a lot of stupid things I've done. And it is with your what? It's with your what? Your mouth that you confess and are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, I'm going to take this, break it down. Don't read it so fast, it just blows past you. You're going to miss something in this. So how does a person get saved and get relationship and forgiveness from God? How? How do they connect with God? Through the bridge of words of confession. Now, let's back up a little bit. I want you to note something. Notice Paul, he uses these, he pairs these words three times. Words and heart, mouth and heart. And you're going to miss it. But I want you to see something that just happened here. Watch this. Let's go over it again. I'm going to slow down. I talk fast, excite, slow, and educate. Ready? So we're going to slow down. Romans chapter 10, verses 8. This is for salvation. He says, the word is near you in your what? And in your? Which came first? Mouth came first. And then the heart. Let's go to verse 9. That if you confess with your what? That Jesus is Lord and believe in your what? That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Which came first? And then what followed? Okay. Now let's go to verse 10. Something peculiar happens. But you never noticed it. Verse 10. For it is with your. That you believe and are justified. And it is with your. That you confess and are saved. Did you notice that the order changed? There's a reason for this change in the order. The Holy Spirit is showing you a reason why it changed. Many times, the way to be convinced of God's truth in your experience is to start talking differently and make the right confession. So that means even when you may not feel in your heart that you believe a particular truth of God's word, you affirm your belief with your mouth that it is God's word even when your heart is not there yet. So what does that mean? I may doubt it in my heart. That's why Paul says that's the problem with us. So the first thing you got to start doing 
is humble yourself and abase your carnal mind that thinks it's superior than the mind and the word of God and make your carnal mind submit to the authority of what God says and not what you feel in your heart. Some of you said that prayer early today. You said, well, I don't feel saved. I still want to go have a cigarette. I must not be saved. Listen, smoking won't send you to hell. Make you smell like you've been there, but it won't send you to hell. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of things Christians do that God wants them to overcome that are binding their life. But because you feel you didn't perform right for God, your heart tells you, and it's deceitfully wicked, that you are not saved. How am I doing, everybody? There's sometimes that your heart doesn't feel it, and he says, how about this? Why don't you humble yourself and take your carnal mind that tries to ascend over the superiority of God because you feel a certain way, that it ought to be this way. He said, why don't you humble it and surrender it and start declaring God's word. I'm going to tell you something. I have to start to forgive my, I have to start forgiving myself for dumb things that I say and start saying what God says about things. And here's what happens. What Paul is saying, there's a remarkable supernatural thing that begins to occur. Remarkably, what happens even when your heart doesn't feel it. It moves from your mouth and it starts moving into your heart. And then all of a sudden, when you start praying it, all, all of a sudden, you start praying it. Something's happening in your heart. You start believing it because the Spirit is making it real in your life. And all of a sudden, now, instead of your prayer being a complaint session, you start declaring, God, I thank you and I trust you because of what your word says. It starts making itself into the, it starts making it into your prayer life. So many times, this is how God establishes the word of God. The word goes from your mouths and it goes into your heart. But then look what Paul says. He says it goes from mouth to your heart. But then he says in verse 10, it goes now from your heart back into your mouth. Because now your heart is catching up. Your feelings are catching up to what God truly says his word is about you. Can somebody raise your voice and proclaim with praise the word of God? Hmm. So people think they have the freedom of speech to say whatever they want to. I'm in America. I say what I want to say. Oh, don't say stupid stuff. Amen. You keep proclaiming even when your heart doesn't feel it. And he says, here's what happens. All of a sudden it flips and your heart starts moving your mouth in absolute faith because of what the spirit revealed. Man alive. I want to write myself, I want to cash app myself some money right now. Amen. Okay. Here's my last thing resilience comes from you getting that word in you, staying around that word. You're here today. You're getting the discipline of the word. You're small groups. You're growing in the Lord. Keep doing that. Keep doing it. It's growing the word in you. Even when your heart doesn't feel it, 
humble yourself and take your carnal mind and make it submit and say, we will lean to the authority of God's word. Okay? And here's the last one. That hope-filled thing, it just doesn't come from your reliance on the word. It comes by the power of the Holy Spirit making that word alive. That's where the big disconnect is, is allowing God by his spirit to work in your heart. That's where power really comes. So what are you saying, Pastor Sam? Stay connected in his presence. And if I could just put it this way, I want you to start praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. I am a firm believer that the experience throughout the entire New Testament the experience that happened on the day of Pentecost is still alive and well for every single Jesus follower today to let the Spirit do a work in your heart that your mouth starts declaring things in accordance to the will of God. That praying in unknown tongue, that's for every single believer. It may not be for public use, for prophesying, for interpretation, but I'm going to tell you, Every single believer has access to the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit to commune with God spirit to spirit in a language you didn't learn, but you let your mind be abased and let the spirit begin to pray out of you. It is the most powerful thing you can do to be a resilient person in the hell hole we're living in right now. You said, how can I believe you? Just take my word for it. Take the word's word for it. This is why Paul says, I'm going to hang out in Paul, uh, Romans, and then we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to bring this in for a landing, okay? Romans 8, 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is the, the <clears throat> resilient people I know are people who tap into the Holy Spirit and commune with the Holy Spirit to God through the Holy Spirit. For example, we don't know what God wants for us to pray for. How many of you have ever been through something so tragic in your life you didn't know what to pray or you didn't feel like praying anymore? There's some of you didn't feel like praying anymore. I know exactly what you're talking about. But, oh, I love this. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's those unintelligible words, not in English. You begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, the private communion that every believer has access to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, there are times where you don't feel like praying. But the resilient people, let the Holy Spirit pray through them because they may not feel like praying or they don't want to pray. But when the Holy Spirit, you allow him, you humble yourself, allow him to pray through you. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Your pastor doesn't trust his emotions. They're real and I identify them. But my emotions have been wrong many times. So I got to let something else take over and not allow my carnal human thinking to think it's more superior than God's thinking and to let my, own, my human emotions override what the Spirit of God truly wants me to have. That's why the Holy Spirit needs to pray through me. So in tough times, when you're going through hell, when you're going through the divorce, 
when you're going through the loss of a job, when you're getting ready to lose something precious to you, when you get the doctor's diagnosis in tough times, I don't trust my own human emotions and my own human thinking, so I need to begin to let the Holy Spirit pray through me so it prays the direct will of God and not the will or the emotion of Sam. How many enjoyed, how many enjoyed, how many enjoyed the uh, uh, Soul Care weekend we had? So on Saturday, I'm just going to take you back just for a minute. On Saturday, we were with uh, Dr. Crosby, Dr. Robert Crosby, and he, he, he talked about meditation. He talked about praying in the Holy Spirit, and he brought up an interview that I had read many years ago, <clears throat> and I didn't realize it was the connection was between the two. But he started talking about, he interviewed, he personally interviewed Dr. Andrew Newberg. He's not a Christian. He's Jewish. He's not a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, but he's a leading researcher in the field of neurology and spirituality at the Thomas Jefferson University Hospital in Philadelphia. And he's best known for his research in nuclear medical brain imaging. Okay? So this is not a dumb person. This is a brilliant man. And he's not a Jesus follower. He's a scientist. He's a doctor. But what made him popular was the study of neurology and spirituality. And he wanted to see what happened with people's brains when they were praying, chanting, meditating. And he just, he did, he did Buddhist monks. He did nuns while they were reciting their prayers in quiet med in meditation. But here's what they discovered. They said the frontal lobes which control your language are very active, the frontal lobes, and they imaged it. They're very active when you're speaking in English, when you're talking, very active. And they saw this activity with even monks chanting. The activity was still there because they were speaking their, their native language, so it stays active. Even nuns in quiet meditation reciting prayers quietly, but it was still active. But when they did people who were Jesus followers that were baptized in the Holy Spirit power and begin to start praying in the language of the Spirit to commune spirit to spirit with God. They did the imaging on them. You could hear them, but they were not speaking English because they said something prays through them. And here's what he discovered. He said, when they started praying from English and went into the Spirit, it stayed active while they were speaking their native tongue. But when they started to pray to God in the language of spirit, those frontal lobes went absolutely quiet and dead. Yet their mouths were still talking. He said, I could hear audible words that I couldn't understand coming out of them, but yet that should be staying active, but it wasn't active. It went quiet. And he said, what I discovered was that what they said and what the Bible really says they said has happening that there is something that took over and started praying around their own human thinking and their own mind and went around and started praying. So if you think, if you're a Jesus follower and you think it's dopey to speak in tongues, then if you don't trust the Bible, at least trust a scientist. At least think about it that a scientist is seeing it here. He said it confirms that there was something going through them and yet this part was silent, but something was still going. When Dr. When Dr. Robert Crosby interviewed Dr. Andy Newberg, he says, I know he's not a Jesus follower. He's a great man, kind man, but he's not a Jesus follower. He said, 
Dr. Newberg told him, he says, when I saw this happen, he said, I was moved to tears. I began to cry because I'd never seen that before. He's not even a Jesus follower and something sparked in him because he saw this is a supernatural phenomenon. You want to make it through the sexual temptation, sir, on the job and you want to be faithful to your wife? Can I ask you to submit and humble yourself and ask God to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit so you can know him and be like him more? Not so you can speak in tongues to perform, that you can check it off a box, yeah, I speak in tongues. That you really start loving him. Can I ask you, ma'am, to start praying in the Holy Spirit because of all the pressure that's on your kids and the stress and the fear that you feel and anxiety and the culture you're raising them in? You're worried and fearing and you didn't want to be a helicopter mom, but you just can't see loose because there's so much fear driving in. Could I, could I ask you to lean into Jesus, your best friend, and the Holy Spirit, your best friend, and start praying in the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you when you have lost something so precious in your life and you're questioning God, would you remember that he's covered your past, your present, and your future, and would you begin to start praising him and worship him in the language of the Holy Spirit? And you'll start getting confidence about who you are as a woman. You'll become confident in who you are as a man. Can I help you that when we are so filled with stuff on social media that is vying for the space in your brain that's pulling you further and further away from God, young people, can I ask you to be praying in the Holy Spirit every single day of your life? Pray in your English, but would you let something bypass you and let the Holy Spirit help your weakness in a culture that is beating you down? To pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Daily. Not when all of a sudden you have a crisis and you get a doctor. No, daily. Everybody say daily. How many have a fireplace? It's your home. How many have the real wood burning one, the old school? God bless y'all. Try to stoke the fire, you get the poker, you use the poker to turn the logs, right? Pretty simple concept, everybody knows about it. If you put the poker in the fire, it's just in the fire. But if you'll leave that poker in the fire, something happens to the poker. The fire, if you stay there long enough, consistently, the fire gets inside the poker instead of the poker just being in the fire. If you leave it there, the fire gets in the poker. What actually happens is, is the environment of the fire starts getting into the poker itself. So now what's in the fire actually gets in the poker if it will stay consistently and remain there. That poker now gets, you pull it out, it's red hot. Not because it's a poker, but because something that was in the fire has now made its way into the poker. You can have that poker out like this and no one sees it. But when they see a red, hot, flaming red tip, everybody watches out because they know everything that that poker touches has the environment of the fire in it. And they know everything the poker touches will be affected because not because it's a poker, but because of what's inside of the poker. And some people want to bear the name Jesus follower and Christian. 
but everything they're touching, nothing happens. Their friends don't know the difference whether they follow Jesus or not. Their business partners don't know. Nothing's burning. Nothing's changing. No victory. Acting just like the world, just as afraid and just as fearful as the world, just as cynical as the world, just as sarcastic, just as sinful as the world. I'm going to tell you something. You keep that poker in the fire. That fire is going to get in that poker. And the poker isn't special because it's a poker. It just knew where to hang out and where to stay. And everything it touches gets affected, not because it's a poker, but because of what's inside the poker. And that's the reason why Paul says, you have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power is of God and not of you. And there are things you want to see start changing in the way you talk and the way you live. You want to see things change in your marriage, in your future, in your relationship. You want to see things change in our culture. You want to see things change in our finances. You want to see things change in our life and our marriages and things around us. Well, I have a word for you. I have a word for you. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. Would you just stay in Him? Pray in the Holy Spirit. And whatever's in Him will get in you and it will affect everything you touch. everybody so if you're down he'll pick you up if you hurt the fire will comfort you he'll be right there have you ready to receive from him come on let the resilient people of God just begin to thank him for who he is come on can we stand together